People all over the world are searching how to become financially free. However, before you can ever get or achieve financial freedom in your life, you have to reach financial security. In fact, the gatekeeper to financial freedom is financial security. And in today's episode, I'm gonna teach you exactly how to reach financial security. Hey there, and welcome to the Investing Well Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Sheik, but you can call me Liz. I'm an entrepreneur through and through. My husband and I, we've climbed ourselves out of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, and now are living completely debt-free. Accomplishing this wasn't easy by any means. We've made some really wise choices, and we've certainly made some that we are less proud of. However, standing on this side of financial freedom, I'm here to tell you that it is possible, and I'm here to show you how to do it with your God-given talents, all the while investing in what matters most, your health, family, and community. So go ahead, grab your coffee and your noise-canceling AirPods, and let's get going. We have some investing to do. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Investing Well Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Sheik, and I'm super excited for today's episode. We are going to be talking about the six principles of financial security. First off, let's talk about what financial security is and what it is not. Financial security is not the same thing as financial freedom. Often in the debt-free community, the financial advisory communities, the idea of financial freedom is what is posted out to the world. There's this elusive idea of here, this is how you create financial freedom get to financial freedom, start your own business, get to financial freedom. And it's this concept almost that you skip from where you are right now to financial freedom. But there's a whole road that you have to get to before you ever get to financial freedom. Financial freedom is a concept that has to do with you have enough investments in your life that are paying you. You have income that you are no longer bound to one place or doing one single job for the rest of your life for you to live the lifestyle that you want. But before we can ever really even talk about the lifestyle we want, we have to know what we have to get past to get there. And the gatekeeper of financial freedom is financial security. And so today we're going to talk about the six principles that you have to reach to have financial security. Now, in an earlier episode, we've talked about that principle and a tactic. They're two different things. A principle is an idea and a tactic is the how-to. We'll share some tactics that have worked for our life, for my husband and I getting to financial security, being debt-free, getting to the life we want. And, and now we are here in financial freedom. But I'm going to give you some tactics we did. I'm going to give you some tactics that some clients of mine have done. And then we're going to focus on the principles and then it's going to be up to you to evaluate your life and say, hey, this is the principle and then I'm going to address it and use this tactic. So I'm going to give you the principles, the six principles of financial security. So first, when you reach financial security, you are at a point in which you are stable and secure within your current income and lifestyle. Okay. So we, we now know what financial freedom is and we know what financial stability is. 
is being secure in your current place where you are in life with the income you have to sustain what you're doing. To reach financial security, the first step, the first principle you need to be able to check off is that you have an emergency fund. An emergency fund should be equal to your rent or mortgage payment. So there's other programs out there that talk about baby steps. I think Dave Ramsey does a lot of great things, but he very blatantly says baby steps and you either fall into one or two categories. You either save $1,000 in emergency fund or if you make under $30,000, you save $500. I think that's not as good of advice as, as you could have. I think truly to reach financial stability, you need to have what is equal to your current mortgage or rent payment. Now, it's not saying that Dave Ramsey's baby step is is not right or that it's bad. It's getting you definitely in the right direction, but it's not what would be defined as financial security. An emergency fund, a small emergency fund is that fund that you go to if you trip and break your ankle and you have a unexpected expense to the emergency room and it's a small one. It is the unexpected, my dog gets sick, I need to go to the vet or my kid gets sick, I need to go to the pediatrician and it covers the copay, it covers the you know additional amount before you potentially reach your, your limit for your insurance. So an emergency fund covers those things. An emergency fund is there in case you have an unexpected bill. It gets really hot and you use more AC than what you normally account for and your your electricity bill is significantly higher that month. That's what an emergency fund is. It is for unexpected acute, meaning there's a limited time. It's, it's an acute emergency that you need to pay for. I believe for financial security, you need to have the equivalent to one month's mortgage. So if your rent is $1,500 a month, you need $1,500 in your emergency account. If your mortgage is $3,500 a month, you need to have $3,500 in your mortgage account or in your emergency fund. And then let's say your rent or emergency fund or rent or mortgage is $900 or $500, whatever that number is, that's what you should have set aside. The reason those are the numbers is because often where you live dictates the lifestyle you are living. And so people who are often heavier lifestyle-wise, may have heavier emergencies. And so it just buffers this. This also is there in case something happens or it is a well-known, maybe you're switching jobs and it's a really great thing. You're moving up, but between the moving expenses, the paying the movers, all the things, you have to pull out from that fund. So that's what that emergency fund is. So number one, you have an emergency fund equal to your mortgage or rent. Second principle is that you are living within your means, that you are not having to take on additional debt every single month. Most people do not know how much they spend in a month. And if they have an idea of what they spend in a month, they usually grossly underestimate what they're spending. So unless you look at your spending on a regular basis, you may not know what you're spending. And so to live within your means, you have to know what do I have coming in and what is going out And then you have to consciously live within that so that each month you are not adding debt to your life. Here's a tactic that you can do to go figure out how to live within your means. I suggest that you go pull up your bank account statements and physically print out the last three months. Three months is going to give you a really good idea. 
It's a quarter of your year. It's going to give a really great idea of what are my spending habits? What do I on average spend in a month on food? What on average do I spend eating out or in utilities? And and so three months is going to give you a really great idea. If three months stresses you out, just look at the last month. Just look at what you did because your past behaviors are a pretty good indicator of what you're currently doing. And the only way to change your future behaviors is to know and recognize what your past behaviors and current behaviors are. So when you go and print out your bank statements, you're going to take account for every dollar that goes out and what it goes out to. And you're going to put it in categories such as your housing, utilities, your bills, debt payment, whether you have student loans, whether you've been paying them or not, eating out, groceries, all of those. And then you're going to look at that. If you are overspending in a month, you are actively going to, for the next month, focus on how can I take these numbers and whittle them down so that I am living within my means. And that's the quickest way. Now, you may not be able to move that dial as quick as a one month. You may not be able to go from spending $500 a month in food to now $300 a month in food. You may need to say, hey, for the next month, this one area of my life, I'm going to, instead of spending $500, I'm going to definitely stay within $450, right? And so if you are living outside your means right now, you're going to have to work to cut your life back. Now, some people go cold turkey and that works for them. Some people go cold turkey and they feel super deprived. They feel like they just can't do it. And then they revert back to old behaviors. I personally would rather see somebody make strides in cutting back their lifestyle than try and go cold turkey, rip the Band-Aid off and realize they're still bleeding underneath there and throw the Band-Aid right back on and then go back to excessively spending. When you when you look at this, you're going to have to make sacrifices. If you are living outside your means and you are putting debt onto a card every month, every other month, however long, if you are within a year living outside your means that you are accumulating debt every single year. Some people may be like, well, I don't accumulate debt every month. You don't want to communicate. You don't want to accumulate debt at all within the year. So it, it just depends on where you're at on your path to financial security and the income that you make. But a core principle of living within your means is that you are going to have to sacrifice. If you are currently living outside your means, you're going to have to sacrifice. Just like if you want to lose weight, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice not eating dessert every night. You're going to have to sacrifice some of the time you may spend scrolling Pinterest to go work out. There's a sacrifice in almost everything we do. But our world has equated sacrifice as a bad thing. Sacrifice is a good thing. Sacrifice is a freeing thing. It's just a matter of how are you looking at it. If you look at it and say, look, I'm going to sacrifice now so that I can live a life that most people won't get to live later on. I'm going to make financial security and financial freedom a reality in my life. I'm, gonna, I'm willing to sacrifice in the short term to make that long-term gain. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. In fact, if you see that you are overspending on eating out, an area you may sacrifice in is saying, hey, I'm just not gonna go out as much. Grab a couple friends in your life, grab a couple other couples in your life and ask them if they will do this experiment with you for the next couple months. Instead of eating out, can you guys plan a rotating dinner where everybody brings something to somebody's house? Not only are you getting the social engagement, which is often what people go out to eat for is a social experience. And second is that 
it is a relaxing experience because they don't have to cook and do the dishes. Well, if other people are sharing in the responsibility of the cooking and cleaning, it lifts that burden from you. So sacrifice can still be super fun. It's just figuring out a way, a tactic to do it different. But sacrifice to live within your means to get where you want to go is inevitable. Third is that you need to have a distinct financial and lifestyle plan in place. So to help you get going on this, we've created a free resource on our website. It's called the Mile Marker Workbook. And this workbook leads you through creating a distinct lifestyle and financial plan that you can put in place so you know where you want to go. To get to financial freedom, you have to know the direction that you want. Financial freedom is not an arbitrary number. It's not saying, hey, once I have a million bucks in my account, I'm going to be financially free. I'm going to be financially independent. I'm going to be financially whatever. Your financial freedom and your lifestyle freedom plan has to be in place when you reach financial security so that you can you can get to that next step in your life. So step three, you have to have a distinct financial plan and lifestyle plan in place for your life. Four, you need to be nearly debt-free and you need to have a plan in place to become debt-free. Now, you may be on your path to financial security and you start with a lot of debt. In fact, the average American has over $90,000 worth of debt. So getting from the day you start to financial security can take a little while and that's okay, right? This is not a get quick rich scheme. This is a get rich over a long period of time in your life, guaranteed get rich scheme because it is not a quick scheme. It is a it is a long-term investing scheme in your life. <laughs> I hate to use the word scheme. This is not a get rich quick. I'm telling you, you can have financial security. You can have lifestyle freedom. You can have financial independence and financial freedom in your life, but it's not going to come overnight. And if your expectation is that in the next month, you're going to reach financial security and independence, your your mindset is misguided. This is here for the long run. It took my husband and I seven years to get out and be completely debt-free. So I want to encourage you to don't look at the short term, look at the long term. We initially started our plan to be debt-free within 10 years and did it in seven. And so that's our plan. But we also had $250,000 worth of debt. We had, we had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. It took us seven years to do it. What we're teaching here is a long-term plan for success. That if you stick here in the long-term, you will win. So I want you to be nearly debt-free and a plan to do it in place. So what does it mean to be nearly debt-free? To be nearly debt-free, you are back up to point number two. You are living with your, within your means and you are not taking on additional debt every month. And you have a plan in place to have all your debt minus your mortgage, all of your debt paid off within 12 to 24 months. That is a principle, a distinct principle of becoming financially secure. Number five, you are contributing to your basic retirement accounts. At this point in time, you are paying off debt. You are living within your means. You are balancing your life out and you are contributing to your 401ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs. You are contributing to investment vehicles that are going to have compounding interest later on in your life. The sooner you start investing, the better. My personal perspective is that as soon as you have your emergency fund, which is one month of your rent or mortgage, 
as soon as you have that available in an account, you immediately start contributing to IRA, your Roth, your 401k. You start doing those things immediately because if you noticed what I said just a second ago, it took us seven years to be debt-free. We contributed to every single retirement account during that period of time. In fact, we maxed out our retirement during those periods of time. We got our emergency fund. We maxed out our investment accounts. And the reason we did that is because seven years was going to come and go regardless. And it was easier for us to say, hey, we'll cut back our lifestyle even more while we're trimming the fat, while we're cutting back. Let's go ahead and just take that money out of our car. Don't even show it to us. Just immediately straight from our paycheck, contribute to the investment accounts. And it may take us a little bit longer to get out of debt. That's why we had a 10-year plan in place. It may take us a little bit later to get out of debt. But the day we are debt-free, we have an investment account that has been growing every single day. And so that was a phenomenal feeling. When we wrote that very last check to pay off my student loans in one giant lump sum, and we had quite a bit left. Um, and I'll, I'll tell that story at another point in time. But we paid off um, in one lump sum the remainder of my student loans and our car. And it was an unbelievable feeling because we then went over to our computer. We looked at our retirement account and we were shocked how much it had grown from when we first started investing in it over those seven years. So make sure you have your savings account, your emergency savings account, and then start investing. That is that is my suggestion. Not right or wrong if you don't do it, but that is what I would advise you to do as you work your way to being debt-free and living within your means. So your number five, you're contributing to your basic retirement accounts. And number six, you have three to six months saved in a catastrophe account. Some people refer to this as just three to six months in savings. I It's not how I think of this. This is not your emergency fund. This is a catastrophe account. This is if something catastrophic happened in your life. Your primary income earner loses their job. Your primary or secondary income earner or your spouse, they don't even have to be making money, gets diagnosed with cancer. This is the catastrophe account that has three to six months of your monthly living expenses in an account that is easily accessible. Now, this amount can range drastically. And there are people in my life that their entire month's budget and everything is less than $5,000. And so three months is 15 grand. There are people who have much larger bills. So each month may be 15 grand for you. You may be needing to set aside $45,000. Wherever you land on this, the catastrophe account is so that in case something catastrophic happened in your life, you can reach for it. Now, this is not your emergency fund. This is not where you pay unexpected doctor bills. This is not where you pull out to go on a vacation. This is not, this is not even the, oh my gosh, my best friend's getting married and surprise, we thought it wasn't going to happen this soon. Let's pull from our catastrophic account. That is not that account. Any of those immediate acute expenses go from your emergency fund and your emergency fund stays refilled. Your catastrophic account is built over time and put into investment vehicles like a high yield savings account 
where you're going to get a return that's much higher than it's sitting in your normal bank account or even a normal savings account, but it's accessible to you within two to three days. I'm not going to go into detail on all the accounts that you can put it into, but there are plenty of accounts out there that you can invest in that you can then pull out without any fees. And that's the key, right? You want to be able to reach your money without paying any additional fees for you to access it. And so your catastrophic account, in addition to your basic retirement accounts, are earning you interest as it sits there and it will continue to sit there for the remainder of your life. Now, if you choose later on to up your lifestyle and you you increase what your monthly lifestyle is, you need to reassess your catastrophic account and double check. Hey, do I have enough money as I increase my lifestyle to cover in case of a catastrophic event? And you want to make sure that you stay on top of that. Now, if you put it in certain investment vehicles and make it over time and you look and you've increased your lifestyle and you don't need to increase that number because the market has paid you back for that. You want to be wise with the money you're, you're putting there. It is a buffer for you, but it can still grow as an investment vehicle. Your call to action in this episode, and I hope you guys found it super helpful, is two things. I want you to get a really crystal clear idea of where your living expenses are and start figuring that out. Second, I want you guys to go over to our website at investingwellpodcast.com slash mile marker and print out the free resource we have for you so that you can get going down the path of financial freedom. It's going to give you the resources you need to take an evaluation of where you are, where you want to be, and help you create that roadmap to getting there. And last but not least, join our Facebook community. Come over there, get some practical ideas from other people and myself on how do you take these principles and apply them to your life. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I want to take a minute and just say thank you for tuning in to another episode of Investing Well. My hope and prayer is that each of these episodes will bless you and leave you with practical steps, not only to creating financial freedom in your life, but tactical actions to help you build and invest in the life of your dreams, the life I know you deserve. I would love for you to join us over in our free Facebook community called the Investing Well Podcast Community. That's where we want to connect you to other like-minded people who are investing well in their lives and continue these conversations. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps us grow and reach more people on their investing journey. We truly appreciate your support and stay tuned for more episodes. And until next time, Happy investing.